0: But one of the tasks we had was to go through about seven thousand Slowway's names and pick out the rude ones.
1: Yes, <laughs> and, and there
0: was about two to three hundred Slowway names that were just so offensive, and not even just offensive—you know, almost like cards against humanity, kind of like desperate, <laughs> desperately, desperately <laughs> disgusting sort of like ideas and words.
1: Hello there. My name is Kit Rackley. My pronouns are they/them, and this is Coffee and Geography. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people on this rock we call home, and their love and passions of it. We'll find out why guests identify as geographers, and if they don't exactly, we'll have fun exploring all the myriad of ways that connects their life to geography. So pour your favourite brew, get cosy and listen in, oh and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Coffee Jog Pot. Off we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Geography. So I have got a gorilla with me—not that kind of gorilla—a gorilla geographer with me, who's I'm very, very delighted to speak to. I haven't spoken to him for a couple of years now, so it's excellent to catch up. Dan Raven Ellison, hello and welcome.
0: Hi, Kit. How are you doing? It's good to be with you.
1: Yeah. So the last time we actually—I mean, we've been chatting on off and on through the digital ether but i think the last time was it 2017 or 18 i think that we were at the ga you you did a talk one of the keynote talks at the ga conference the geographic association conference i believe
0: that's right that was a that was a that was a fun conference pre-pandemic i think (laughs) that was one of the last big conferences i was at maybe that i can remember yeah
1: and uh, that was your talk about um guerrilla geography so to introduce you to everybody, um, as we've always said, like Dan uses guerrilla geography to challenge himself and others to think differently about the world. He does this through campaigns, collaborations and films ranging from founding the National Park City, so London National Park City, to showing what the UK looks like from above in 100 seconds. And uh, yeah, everyone's got to check that out. But we spoke to one of your rangers earlier on in the season katie water yeah i know you did i know you did i had a listen
0: it was a great interview
1: yeah lovely katie water so and i think um how's that all going for you the 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 london uh national park city stuff it it seems to be i mean from the outside looking in it seems to be really really successful and a lot of enthusiasm about it but how, how do you feel that's going at the moment
0: uh you know the whole thing's sort of kind of ridiculous in a way i mean we, we sort of started the whole thing off just as a website as a provocation as like a geographic provocation where we just created a website for the London National Park and put an asterisk at the end of it and said it was officially only a notional park, yeah. and then seven, seven years later it's happened, and there are other cities around the world who want to follow suit. Um, so it's quite funny, really, but at the same time incredibly awesome.
1: Uh, yeah, and I remember that kind of like near the start, and you were you were kind of talking about this kind of thing and how it was really really an awareness campaign of of like the the, the beauty and the greenery that you can find in London and trying to get people more. In tune with their environment in the capital city, and for it to actually go what it is, engage communities and be so official, and now have actual rangers, you know, like Katie, like other people, and that green ground map as well. That was you know based on the london oh it's just it's just a thing of beauty all those different talents and all those different intersectionalities it's awesome
0: yeah we can't quite state claim for the green ground map that's helen who does yeah. that mapping which is absolutely fantastic yeah and it's sort of these incredible maps she creates of um not just london i think she's done like bristol and some other cities now where it looks like a tube map yeah uh but, but actually it's about walking around the city through all the green spaces which is absolutely fantastic but there are other people who have done fantastic mapping around the National Park City. Mm. So Charlie Peel is this incredible cartographer who, you know, I think a lot of the mapping of London historically has been like the roads and the buildings. Um, and OS maps are fantastic, but they're not really great for getting around urban areas. And Charlie helped to turn that on its head and show London as a landscape and not just as a maze of roads.
1: Well, Helen or Charlie, if you're listening, I'd love for you to come and chat. Um, well, you said you know, um, and we mentioned that video about Uh, uk from above in 100 seconds which i strongly recommend um uh, i'm not even just look it up it's amazing i'm not even going to describe it but in terms of this chat then i think we're even going to struggle to keep this to below 100 minutes to be honest with some of the amazing stuff i want to talk to you about but we'll see what naturally comes up so we'll start off with our drinks then so um what have you got with you i mean it's the evening we're recording this in the evening time so is there any are you risking the caffeine or have you got something caffeine free or caffeine hardly
0: touches me actually i've got some um Sainsbury's red label tea in a strongly sort of tannined cheap uh white poundland cup <laughs> and inside is is I could probably scrape you know the 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 tea from the day from inside it's sort of gone a, a sort of a sort of clay kind of color the <laughs> inside of my white cup um, I've drunk a lot of tea today
1: yeah are you, are you one of those people then who who doesn't wash their cups in between each filler because like it you start to get that lovely kind of golden inside of it and you just keep filling it up
0: why do you wash your
1: cups in between each bag of tea not anymore <laughs> <laughs> i just don't have the time now i just go and refill it definitely but yeah it just just shows the uh, the amount of toil and effort you've been through for the whole day if you've got that lovely brown ring around the top but <laughs> anyway enough about all that nonsense um so letting everybody where you where you are located at the moment you're located in uh, in or just outside of Exeter and uh, you're the second guest actually from that area because um, I think it was episode 10 or 11 I spoke to uh, Joanna Mendez who works at the Met Office as a scientist so yeah we'll talk a little bit about what Exeter, I mean have you ever had the chance to work with the folk at the Met Office is it the kind of thing that it's it's there but you've never had the chance to kind of speak to people from there or have you actually popped tried to contact them or is it
0: no like when I was a really enthusiastic geography teacher like over a decade ago, I went there, but I cannot remember for the life of me why I went. But I remember, <laughs> but I remember going to the building. Um, I'm not actually on the outskirts of centre, uh, outskirts of Exeter. Um, I moved from London recently, and I'm actually bang in the centre of Exeter, which is absolutely fantastic oh. to be in, in the heart of the city. The heartbeat of the city. Yeah. All
1: right, and so you moved about a bit, so that leads me quite lovely onto the next bit. So. Um, So people may not be aware, but you are a National Geographic Emerging Explorer, or you were designated as an Emerging Explorer, which is absolutely incredible. Did they send you a gold frame for you to keep at home or anything like that?
0: Do you know what, actually, I do have a frame somewhere with some pictures of the other people from the cohort, but what what arrived first was sort of an email came through that remarkably similar to those dodgy emails you get from west africa inviting you to sort of partner with your money or to marry someone you've never met before like it was it was complete scam email and and all the emerging explorers reported the same experience of not really believing what they were getting and a lot of people ignoring the emails because it was just so extraordinary to get this strange email from national geographic saying you've been awarded this prize um it was so <laughs> abstract that um that yeah i mean i sat on it for a long time just think it was scam mail
1: yeah gotta be it's gotta be a scam because that is iconic you know you think of that that um that just that golden square that golden rectangle and uh yeah so i just wondered if you've got it got one that you can just stick your face through and stuff like that but uh it does it does you got it because you've done a lot of traveling a lot of exploring so um so you're in exeter you've moved from london you've been all these other places so this is going to be, this might be a difficult question for you. I don't know. Or there might be something so substantial about your identity. You might be able to fix on something. I don't know. So let's ask this question. So all these places in the world that you've been, what do you reckon has formed Dan the man, (laughs) you know, made you your identity? Kind of what are the bits about you today, which you, which you carry with you? Is there a particular experience place, which kind of forms your identity? Or is there like a habit you've picked up from somewhere, which is, which you've kind of brought on as as, a, as your character. I mean, where do I even where do you even start with someone with so much of your experience?
0: It's it's a good it's an interesting question. Um, so I grew up in an army family, um, and that meant being sort of tucked away in boarding school for significant periods of time. But it also meant then having significant holidays where I'd get to see my family again, and I'd go and have quite interesting, exciting journeys quite often with my parents. Um, I mean. I wasn't at boarding school when I was four, but when I was four, five, six, we lived in the United States, and I spent a lot of my time going out catching dangerous animals. And then we sort of spent some time in Belize, and I spent a lot of time catching dangerous animals. And then we <laughs> went to Zimbabwe, and I spent a lot of time catching dangerous animals.
1: Since sense a theme here.
0: Yeah, and and we had a posting to Kuwait as well, and I used to go out to the desert to catch various dangerous animals. And I think I had lots of experiences going to different countries, which both helped me to see some of the injustices that exist in sort of the ecology of the world but also in the various cultures of the world as well and i think it was very hard to be sort of taken through the various societies that i was in with the upbringing i had to not have both a sense of wonder of the world around us but also a profound sense of the injustices that you experience when when you have the privilege of visiting places in you know, in the way that I, the way that i did So, you know, I can think of these these moments in time where, like, I remember actually we had a posting in Aldershot and I was living in Fleet where I had my first job at Welcome Break Motorway Services Station, if you've ever stopped there. And very close to there, there's a housing estate that's been built over the top of where I used to go rhododendron jumping as a child and where I know there's this pond full of newts. And I think I can just remember these sort of particular moments where, you know, those newts are gone, the rhododendron bushes, for rhododendron jumping, where I won the world championships, by the way, is also gone. (laughs) And and that kind of stuff sucks a lot, doesn't it? And so you can see how these relationships with with place and the environment and people and places take you towards a love of place and geography and trying to make sense of those things.
1: You see, now, some of my major privilege checks myself have come from travel as well. Um, when I went to South Africa in 2003, that was my first real one. And, and just, just the journey from Joburg out to the Kruger National Park area it was almost like you were going for a time warp, like as you were driving that transect through there. And then you're and then every step of the way you're having your privilege rechecked, 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 and rechecked again. And then I went out to Malawi ten years afterwards for a teacher exchange. And, you know, stayed with Peter. I've got some really good friends out, out there in Malawi now. And but to then bring it back and have a look at something that's happening in your own space, your own community, that you can link back to your own childhood. That I mean, you you tell me though, how does how powerful is that compared to all of those other amazing experiences that you had? I mean, clearly you mentioned, you know, Aldershot and the rhododendrons, all that kind of stuff. And the newts, that that story is obviously, that experience obviously stayed with you and made you a big part of your identity.
0: We, we should. I mean, I think there's a really interesting thing at the moment in both the need, obviously, to... to... Celebrate diversity, and I really love the movement behind the, the sort of flourishing diversity and the, the respect to the fact that greater diversity and greater wisdom that you have through that diversity can actually lead to sort of better outcomes on ecological levels, cultural levels, all kinds of things. But at the same time, within this country at the moment, some of the diversity that we see and that's celebrated is ultimately also, really also very divisive. You know, north south east west, urban rural, Brexit non Brexit, all these different things. And I was speaking to some colleagues a couple of days ago who are working on, um, in relation to like the idea of a potential Tokyo National Park City. And the the thing that they drew down, which I found really powerful, was this idea that although they were talking to people in Manila, Manila in the Philippines and Australia and South America and different places, that in all these different cultures, many of us at the moment share the same anxieties anxieties around our children's health around air pollution the ecological crisis covid the climate crisis these things and although our our cultural responses may be very different to those things actually we have an awful lot in common both through our anxiety our anxieties but also our hopes and dreams as well and ultimately you know the plight of newts is not the same as the plight of pangolins quite clearly Mm. but but nonetheless clearly you can also draw you know a line between the two in terms of how people in various different places are neglecting or persecuting you know animals that are around the world, and so although the lived experience may be very different from one place to another, I think some of the anxieties and injustices are very similar, and so you can transfer some of that that knowledge and that wisdom even if there are great differences
1: we're in a time of history now where I think we need to connect with each other more based on these similar experiences, these similar feelings, these similar thoughts, and this is the way that we're going to come together um and to give another example i've I've just written something there's there's uh something coming up uh the university of east anglia are doing um called the butterfly experiment which is kind of based on that kind of thing but kind of like how can how can small little things and experience manifest themselves and coalesce into potentially big changes and uh when you were talking then you know about about things like that just coming to mind the thing that i wrote today for it and i and i i'll just read the last uh, paragraph i said and see what you, see what you think about it so i said um so my piece was all about the reintroduction of wolves back into yellowstone which is a part of the world which i'm very very um got a lot of um, sentiment towards so i've said here while we may not all get to see wolves or visit the wilds of yellowstone we can observe the bee collecting its pollen the worm turning the soil or listen to the bird feed its chicks then to use nature's actions as an inspiration to join conservation efforts so um you know in other words you may not have that experience of the majestic wolf in the grandeur of yellowstone but you can observe that bee collecting its pollen you can see that worm turning that soil and it having almost like the same impact on their ecosystem as that wolf would do to what it's done in yellowstone and um yeah. yeah and i'm also kind of realizing my privilege that i had been to, you know have been to yellowstone and no friends out there and whatnot
0: i'd, I'd extend that idea as well in terms of um you know, when you're thinking about the ecology of cities and the ecology of places and begin to imagine and, and see and think of the urban landscape as this landscape of you know cliff faces on buildings and the buildings themselves contain caves. And those caves not only contain a diverse range of plants from around the world that would otherwise often live in rainforests, but spiders, yeah. you know, spiders. And, you know, for young people and adults, you know, so many people want to champion the bees and all these animals they know in their gardens. But what about the spiders who are in the corner of your room, and what what are you going to do about them? And I think there's something about um, recognizing that allowing the spider is also some form of like absolutely micro versus version of rewilding as well, right? Like allowing that spider into your home and not displacing it. Um, So I I think the conversation hasn't quite gone that far yet for a lot of people, but I think we need to think more about spiders.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the person leading this project at UEA and say, now, can I just add? In my my last my last sentence, the the spider weaving its web. Oh, you're going to add it. You're going to add it. So I'm going to add it in. So there. So, what was yeah. your
0: experience in Malawi that you brought back then?
1: Where where do I start with that? the the first the first thing, the first thing that came to my mind as well. I mean, I out I got out of my system very very quickly. This whole yeah, I understand that I'm a very you know white privileged top, income, you know all of all of that kind of quote unquote basic you know privilege check 101 that was done yeah that was done quite early and i did have a lot of that when i went to south, uh, south africa 10 years prior for me it was there was one particular experience which was humbling and that was a friend of ours was the head teacher of a village outside of the town of dedza uh, in malawi and called called nchenika and in order to get there the only way to get there that was passable was by a very bumpy dirt track road that you can't really drive down because the potholes are so big. You get your vehicle stuck and whatnot. So we had to go by bicycle. So then I, I, I first thought, okay. So do we hire a bike? Do we bike ourselves? That's all fine. I said, you know, I don't mind a bit of. A, that's all good. No, by bicycle taxi, right? So what happens is that you, you get this, you hire this bicycle taxi, and you sit, you, you sit on the pannier, basically a cushioned pannier on the back of this bicycle, while they pedal you i mean how far was it was it two two or three miles but it took two hours it took two hours but it wasn't i'll have to double check how far it was but you know i was like i was saying do you want me to pedal for a bit and do you want to? and there's things like that he was like no 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 this is my job you know this is my job it's my privilege to ride you out you know these are the words i'm proud and privileged to be taking you out here this is my job and all this kind of stuff and then while we're riding on the back of this bicycle taxi is just seeing you know being able to absorb the landscape going by slowly enough to take it all in and then just realize that these are not people which you see stereotypically on the tv or on live aid or or uh, red nose day or anything like that these are people living their lives doing the best they can most of the time, joyfully, who know their challenges, but they're striving to overcome those challenges as well. You know, they are communities, they are you know, progressives, what they can. And it's just, that is the greatest privilege check I've had, is knowing that these people are not helpless. Knowing that these people are bright, they're ingenious, they're compassionate, they are determined. And if, if they had the tools that we have the privilege to have, my God, they could do things, you know. So that was probably my biggest takeaway from a place like Malawi, which is supposedly, by our modern methods of measurement, of development, one of the poorest countries in the world. But fine, economically, maybe. Resource-wise, maybe. But in any other sense of the word, I don't think it's the, one of the poorest countries in the world at all. In fact, I saw quite a lot of richness there, not in the traditional ways. So that was my biggest takeaway from from going to Malawi, I think.
0: Yeah, what an experience. What an experience. It's, it's, it's all very sad isn't it i mean fundamentally as both people both are very interested in education it comes down to education and
1: it really does And
0: too many people in the world just don't have the opportunities they should have that would unlock their their talents which is what i think what you're describing there yeah Yeah. very sad and you know it is what we see you know unfolding under our eyes at the like on the news at the moment in afghanistan is you know great Mm. demonstration of that really as well
1: absolutely yeah and just just to uh timestamp everybody so we're recording this exactly as those troubles are, are hitting the news right now so the so yeah so we're in kind of mid-august at the moment as we're recording this um and he- heaven knows what the situation is when people are listening to this in a couple of months time um dan let's move on with regards to this next thing that i really can treat about what you're saying about playing hide and seek What what, what do you mean by that? How do you, what do you mean by play? You're not like hiding and seeking against these dangerous animals and then pouncing on them or something like that. So what's, what do you mean by playing hide and seek?
0: Well, isn't, isn't geography really just a big game of hide and seek, you know, really? I mean, and any way you look at it, whether you're thinking about our our sort of emotions and our relationships to ourselves and and others and our ability to sort of both reveal ourselves to ourselves and our, our our sort of hunting for our discovery of ourselves and how that changes through you know, the, the moment, the day, our places and where we are and what we're trying to do and our relationship with others and trying to make sense of our relationships to those other people and searching for those things. But then right up to everything from logistics and ordnance survey and the army and you know, every, you know all this stuff, ultimately, I think that people are hiding and seeking. But for me, the origins of that point really is that I just love playing hide and seek. I've loved it since I was a child. <laughs> I still love organising a game of hide and seek now. And to be honest, if, if I was to get sort of more picky about hide and seek, what I really enjoy is massive like wide games that involve either playing sort of capture the flag, but I have a particular sort of pleasure in playing very large games of sardines with adults. <laughs> almost at a professional level, ideally at night time. So, that you have like 30 or 40 people running around a wood trying to find the one person who's hiding, and there's no winner, there's just one person who doesn't win. Um, the, the uh, yeah, so I, I love hide and seek at all levels from the playful to the psychological through to just the, the mammoth scale at which I think that that's kind of what everyone's really working at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. In fact, I the one of the most the last thing i did with as a teacher was we did um some student leadership stuff and one of the team building exercise was basically at dusk we all got bitten by midges like no one's business but it was we didn't really care because we were having so much fun actually playing like capture the flag you know and it was in a wood it was like half in the woodland um half in this like moan bear but also the very tall grass it was really amazing it was fantastic and like And every single teacher was involved as well as the kids. It was just such a laugh.
0: The the trick is to go up trees. People don't look up
1: trees.
0: (laughs) The trick is to go up a tree, go high. But then as people come looking for you, you then move yourself through 360 degrees around the top of the tree and you can last for hours that way.
1: (laughs) Why not think of that? Verging on
0: boring for everyone else, but you know... (laughs) <laughs> Good fun as a hider.
1: I'm going to have to uh, I'm gonna have to try that one out. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I don't know if I'm going to treat, if this is a treat for you or is it going to cause you a bit of agony, um, Dan, but I'm going to, I've written something for you. Oh yeah? To, so we can talk about the next thing, right? Let's see what, uh, you can guess what the Norfolk I'm talking about. So hopefully I'll get the pronunciations right. Okay. So I've, I've written a poem, but I've, uh, this is only one of the verses because I've, I've, i need to refine the other ones, but I think I'm onto something here. Trudging outwards from the node of Norwich, Winmore, Molnor, Tavnor, while Yarvin strikes across the Isle of Wight, alone Rovi walks the Aran shore. Be these giants of olden legend that strode the claim terrain? No, the likes of Solhen, Shiban, and Solfor are paths across our domain.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Doesn't that sound Tolkien-esque as well? I love that poem. That, was, that makes me very happy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, and I, I thank you so much for comparing it to tolkien don't you think that tolkien is?
0: i think it's great yeah you can imagine now that like, you you, know, mentioned you it. imagine frodo like reading that out or something yeah definitely
1: and we'll do a bit of dwarves chorus, shall we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so what on earth for the people who are like what are, what is going on here what, what what am i talking about here dan
0: so you've rather beautifully picked up on slow ways which is an initiative I started that's all about creating a network of walking routes, connecting all the towns and cities in the UK. And while everyone was saying at the beginning that we should just give all the different routes numbers, um, I felt very strongly we should give them all names. And each slow way combines the first three letters of the two Settlements that are being connected, and that then gives you a slowway name, and most of your words then were different names of slowways around the Isle of Wight, and like Yarvin, and you know the, around Norwich. Um, but what you may be interested to know is that I mean it's a big community project, but one of the tasks we had was to go through about seven thousand slowways names and pick out the rude ones.
1: Yes, <laughs> and, and
0: there was about two to three hundred. Slowway names that were just so offensive and not even just offensive you know almost like cards against humanity kind of like desperate, <laughs> desperately disgusting sort of like ideas and words and so if you discover any slow ways that have more than six letters it's either because they're like in wales and there's like you know like la la and abba abba ah. and all this stuff or it's because embedded inside that word that there is something really quite horrible um and we did keep a lot of really naughty names as well i can't remember what they are. like <laughs> there, there are some involving like we and you know all this kind of stuff yeah. around the place which is sort of like you know very sort of victorian in their kind of allowances of street names almost but um yeah we had to get rid of some they were just so <laughs> so inappropriate that we had to sanitize them
1: i was i was part of that process i was oh, thank one of the you. people who helped out with with that with that but i i didn't get to see many shocking ones myself i wonder if it's because they were all taken and filtered by that or maybe the the pot that i was given didn't have so many but that that is so cool if i come across now uh you've you've set everybody a challenge now because people can go on to slowways.org and if they come across um a route that's more than six letters and they check the two places the two three the three letters of the places they're like ah i know why they (laughs) changed that one (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's, 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 it's either because there's like a whole load of places in the country like you know all the places in wales that begin abba and so we had yeah add, ha. exactly so we had to add letters just to make each stowaway name unique but a lot of the time they're just fairly filthy terms that have to be mixed up
1: yeah yeah it's absolutely amazing uh that and i've i've, and I've evaluated uh one route or part of one route already so um so everybody this is what you can go and do so there's a period of of validation and evaluation going on now. So if you go onto the Slow Ways uh, website and you see if there's any, if you're going to go away somewhere, you can check to see what routes are near you or if, or just from your home, you can see if there's any routes near you, go for a walk, walk along it. And then you can actually go onto the Slow Ways website and then you can provide a little critique, a little review and which which helps people to do that. So the one that I did then with my family, we went to uh, Blickling Hall in North Norfolk and the route we went was the Owlcrow. So owl, which is Owlsham, uh, Crow, Chroma. Alsham to Chroma. So we walked part of that, which went past Blickling Hall. We gave it four stars out of five because some of it was on roads, which, you know, were a little bit bl- blind corners and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, nice. it's well, just a lovely community thing.
0: Yeah, well, thank you very much for both helping with the filthy words and also walking the <laughs> slow way. But you know, just, to, just to re-pitch it slightly, I mean, yeah, it's about evaluating and reviewing, but there are 100,000 kilometers of routes that have been created by volunteers. And actually, it's a way of reimagining how you can walk through the landscape. So lots of people will be familiar with National Trails, which go the usual routes that lots of people go. But I don't know, let's say you're in Slough and you kind of want to take yourself to Huddersfield. We're going to have an adventurous way for you to complete that journey. Nice. Yeah, an interesting way to complete that route. Which is what's so exciting about it, I think is that it's it's both extraordinary but so like fundamentally everyday as well.
1: Oh. Now that might exp- oh, I mean you might just say, Oh, it's just because we didn't map it yet, Kit, but would that explain because the the from between Dis and Norwich is the Boudicca way, or the Boudicca way, however you want to pronounce it, but it's, it's spelt as Boudica around here. Most of that's not mapped on slowways. Is it because it's a major route and it's like there's or it's just it's just not appeared on yet and I can still suggest it.
0: Well, no, it's it, it's that 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 although historic routes are very important and beautiful and lovely things to go and walk, they don't actually necessarily fit today's geography at all. So, you know, hmm. things like the Pilgrims Way, you know, the Monarchs Way, um, the Ridgeway, you know, are, are all important. Or like Offa's Dyke, I mean, Offa's Dyke is a great what's going to do, but it's not particularly relevant. I mean, you know, the s- situation between the sort of English and the Welsh isn't quite so ferocious at the moment that it's actually like necessary as a as a as a route (laughs) um so actually you know ramblers have a a great campaign which is all about protecting footpaths from the past and they're a delight to walk but you know we have new towns now like we've got new milton keynes and we've got beaconsfield and places that weren't around when the romans were around i don't think
1: and harlow where i'm from yeah yeah
0: and so actually we need new paths for the future so slow ways picks up on where people need to go in the future and currently um rather than just following the old routes although they are lovely too
1: yeah that's absolutely amazing and uh yeah so if, if people want to see some examples so so when i when i when me and the family hiked a little bit of of alcro we uh i put some a few pictures up on there so we've got a picture of a bridge crossing crossing the river bure i think it was you know we've got, and this was a really fascinating thing we came across it's like a folly gate a folly wall and a folly gate where it doesn't actually lead to anywhere so it's just just a wall and a gate and they've got stone lions on each of the pillars. But quite clearly they don't use it because it's law it's moan. There's no tire tracks. There's nothing like it's a folly. It's there just for sure. Did you
0: did you rob the lions?
1: Oh no. Oh, so, I've so, I so, felt so, like so, I would have so,
0: been told off. So so then you didn't see the secret gateway to a parallel universe. If only you'd know. Oh,
1: I'm gonna have, just gonna have to hike it again then. Yeah. Simple as that. Right, everybody, check this check this out. It's a fantastic initiative. Um if there's something that you can do which is synergetic to make you feel a bit more in tune, a bit more in control what we're doing, give you a bit of agency, why not have a look at this slow ways thing? Yeah, because it's an amazing thing. It gets you out there, gets to see things that you don't usually see. Um, you're walking rather than taking modes of a transport. You it's you get to just just look at it. It's fantastic. So it's slowways.org, won't it? So
0: it's also like a, I think a really big, beautiful piece of citizen geography. Um, it so is. It's it's all about exploring and maps and you know what's not to like.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and so thank you for leading that and the team on there and uh, and I'll get to work on refining this poem and then I'll uh, I'll send it your way and um, please if okay listeners, once I give this poem to Dan and, and we publish it, right? If you have walked any of the routes that I put in the poem, get in touch because let's make a piece of art out of this. Yeah. Like Especially if you've taken a picture or a bit of video or something on one of these routes. ah, we've got something here. I'm so excited already. (laughs) A couple of last things to do then. We'll send them a bit of fun. We're going to be a bit of randomness now. Uh, We're going to do what was called jog on. Five topics, one after the other. And you get to choose to talk about them, if you so wish, by saying jog on kit. We'll have a talk about that. Or, and this is no pun on slow ways, but if you don't want to talk about it, you say take a hike so jog on or take a hike jog on means i'd like to talk about it okay G e o g. Yeah, O i'm on yep. you or take a hike if you don't want to talk about it right So the first topic is volcanoes this is completely random completely random volcanoes is the first topic jog on or take a hike
0: um yeah i'll, I'll jog on and chat about volcanoes no if fret. you want um i had an interesting experience where i nearly killed myself on a volcano in Tome, which is a small island in the gulf of guinea Um, and um, essentially I went on a hike to climb up this volcano with a a guy with wellies and yeah just the higher up we got the dodgier it was to come back down again and we had to sort of peak this this very, very tall very, very sharp edged volcano where if we were to fall we would have died but I was very relieved we got to the top (laughs) because the other side was a bit more shallow but I, I literally climbed up this volcano thinking that I was going to die and that I was really regretting making the decision there we go. That's my volcano experience.
1: <laughs> Climbing a <up> volcano, wellies.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It was a very sharp-edged okay. volcano as well. Like it was a. Uh...
1: Did you have wellies left after that? Were they intact? <laughs>
0: uh, no, the wellies were fine. It was. It was more. It was more. <laughs> it was the more the life thing that was the concern, rather than the wellies. <laughs> okay.
1: The second random topic where you can jog on or take a hike is hockey. Yeah, take a hike. All right. Okay. Three topics left. Two of them you've got to talk about. Okay. The third topic that came up on my random generator was psychiatry.
0: Psychiatry? Hmm. Yeah, take take a hike. Can I take a hike on that one as well?
1: Yeah, okay. But that does mean you have to talk about the last two things. So, research. Any anecdote about research from your uh, experience, Dan?
0: I mean, not really. Um, I'm going to go back to psychiatry.
1: All right, go on then. I'll let you.
0: I found, I, I found it very interesting learning recently about how... Our emotional well-being and emotional health can actually change the neurology of our brains and can actually physically change us and how this classic idea of emotional harm being separated from physical harm is not actually separated off at all and how as adults and children progress through their lives you know your, your, your literal brain can shrink or expand to cope with or respond to stresses you've been through. And I think the the idea that someone's life may be limited because of the emotions they're put through, I think is a very powerful expression for people about why we need to act more on so many different mental health issues. And I think it's also interesting then to connect that through to geography in terms of the ways in which the physical environment around us also then affects our mental health and well-being and how that then affects the physiology of our bodies and our ability to then cope with the environments we're in. And it's more psychology than psychiatry, I guess, maybe, in terms of what I mean. But um, I find the psychogeography of how all those things interrelate um, absolutely fascinating and disturbing all at the same time. And schools need to be doing far more, you know, to to, to to think about well-being in that very holistic way.
1: Totally agree with you. And uh, a shameless plug here is one of the things that I've been trying to do. And I know you've seen a bit is that I'm trying to get senior leadership teams at school to understand that stuff like climate change, climate anxiety, eco anxiety is a safeguarding issue and they need to be treating it as such. You know, we've got statutory guidance regarding mental health. We've got statutory guidance, of course, about safeguarding. And that you see all the risk factors that climate change and ecological breakdown brings, mm-hmm. and then how we can support our children to promote the protective factors. So I am completely 100% on board on that. And I'm, and when I did my my most recent mental health first aid training, you know, actually that was brought up as a topic of discussion about the ecological breakdown and whatnot. So yeah, and we're we're doing something at the University of East Anglia on a we're doing a um, a climate anxiety workshop where we'll be bringing in mindfulness and embodied movement. You know, to reconnect with nature and stuff, and-, and
0: we and we know about all that because of research that people do and research that we do. So it all just loops back to research, perfectly. For, Perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Lovely. Right. The fifth and final topic then is milk. <laughs> milk. Yeah. So you have to jog on on this one.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, what I think of when I think of milk, it's used to drink gallons and gallons of milk when I was growing up. Like I just go and sort of get, you know, just constantly just drink pints and pints of milk. Can't believe how much I went through. But but what it makes me think of actually is, you know, I'm I'm um vegan now and have been some time. And it just makes me think of this this sort of really big concept of speciesism. And Mm. I think that obviously people have very understandable concerns now around lots of isms, uh, not least racism. But I think there is a very near future when far more people are conscious of speciesism as an idea. And I think actually, if we can't get over our speciesism, then I think that on a moral, philosophical, um, cultural level, we can never have a proper relationship with the natural world. I think as long as we have a really horrible relationship with cows and chickens, then why should we care about you know, other birds or other mammals of a similar size? Um, I think there's something inherently problematic in telling children they can eat an unlimited number of chickens or, you know, kill off an unlimited number of, of young bullocks so they can have their milk. And yet somehow we should be looking after these other sort of species. I think there's an incongruence in that logic, which I think is is really problematic. But it's, it, it bites the core of who we are so much that people find it very, very difficult emotionally, again, to sort of deal with those sort of ideas.
1: That's really intriguing that i've I, that's that i've never had it framed in that way before i mean it it, it now makes it makes sense that you know the way that you've put that and this same the same sort of point was made in a comical sense um by uh the punk biologist Lucy loose um i think that that was episode 11 i think um and she actually in a comedic sense because what was it oh yeah because she had she did the random words thing as well and she had farmers markets and she said that her her dad Brought home some sausages, but the conversation that he had with the farmer was that he the farmer names all the pigs and so as so when they bought the sausages, he said, This comes from Clive the pig as and, and now and her dad could not bring himself to eat those sausages because of the name was attached to them. I could not eat those Clive sausages, you know she was saying, mm. I cannot eat those Clive sausages and then Lucy would say, Well, and Lucy said to her dad apparently, um well, just extend that feeling, Dad, you know kind of thing. I see really interesting that those two stories are kind of really mixed there. So everybody, if you just heard Dan say that, that was really profound. I really, really did like the way that Dan put that. Go back to episode uh, 11 near the end and you'll hear Lucy say that. And then you can, maybe those two different ways of framing it will get you to make those connections there. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Right, we're going to do our last little thing now, uh, which is uh, we are all geographers. And this is where we attempt to connect all of the coffee and geography guests by getting them to challenge each other with a word. Which they can link to geography now I had an absolute blast last week because I got to speak to ex students of mine all at the same time. It was chaos, absolutely chaos, and they ganged up on me know what, and it was just but it was lovely, and you know if anybody if you've worked with young people, you just know how oh lovely that was um and I did kind of drop a hint about who I was speaking to this week, which was yourself, and uh they want to turn. Your word's against you, Dan, right? Okay. So, because when you sign up to come on the podcast, you and the question I ask is, you know, what can you not link to jog, Or what, what do you think is as far removed from geography as possible? You actually put, I think that's an impossible question, right? And I would, I would agree with you. But kids being kids, they were like, all right then, we want to give you the word impossible. So <laughs> you have got 30 seconds, Dan, to link the word impossible to geography in any way, shape, or form you think you can geography, geographical processes, whatever. So, would you like a few seconds to think about it, or do you reckon you want to jump, jump straight in?
0: Well, I can jump straight in, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the place I, my brain goes to two places at the same time one is about like the block universe and the po- impossibilities of that in terms of your ability to travel around the block universe. one, one line of thought, the other one is just the sadness of all the, the geographies of impossibilities of people. Not being able to do things because of where they're born, essentially, you know people who uh, will not be able to succeed in life or live as long as they could do because of where they're, they're born in the world or because of their their wider ambitions, but also the impossibilities of us being able to tackle various crises around the world at the moment as well so actually very poignant the the sad thing about the word impossible is it takes you down all these very, very dark avenues of impossibilities um you know, and we can all think of the various crises, but, you know, many academic geographers would probably put the in, well, you know, in brackets and talk about the possible. And actually, if you flip that on its head and start thinking about the geographies of the possible, then actually that turns into something extremely hopeful about what we all have in us and what many people have in themselves mm-hmm. and what they can achieve wherever they are or with the things they have in spite or despite of the impossibilities of their situation as well depending on your philosophy on time space faithfulness and whether or not we have any choice um and if you want to go that route then maybe there are no possibilities um and only mm-hmm. anyway you, you could get quite philosophical about it i guess but but yeah. I, I'd, I'd flip on its head and talk about the possibilities i think as well i'd rather talk i love it yeah
1: i have never been so happy to just let someone carry on past that 30 second buzzer that was lovely and um david Olcock? I know you. You you were our guest. This my second second or third guest, I think. I know you've been listening every single week. I know you just love that answer from Dan. So David is is doing his research and stuff about hopeful geography and hopeful education. Perfect. So I think I think yeah, I think he's going to absolutely love um, what you've just said there, Dan. Thank you so much. Right then. So for our next guest, then we have your chance to come up with a word of your choice, and everybody knows. But I mean, this is this is what episode twenty three, I think. Everybody knows what I'm doing here. They know it's not to try and trip up the next guest. It's just to say, what well, how would you approach this in terms of geography? So what words would you like to um, give our following guest um, a chance to, to link back to, to the world of geography?
0: I think purpose is very important in life. And so I'd like them to talk on the geographies of purpose or the purpose of their geographies.
1: Lovely. And however they so wish to approach that and frame that. Wonderful, Dan. Thank you so much. Right. So to finish off then, um, I want people to to know how they can um, follow your work, get in contact with you and whether you've got um, anybody to say hi and some shout outs to. So where can we find you and who would you like to say hi to?
0: I am going to say hello to Mushroom, my cat, um, <laughs> who is still unable to particularly communicate with any other sentient being in the universe um and and in the spirit of the show all geographers in the universe uh both in our ancestry and all those in future generations to come as well which is a lot of geographers considering that everyone really is a geographer as well um and you know i've got a bunch of projects people can get involved with um slow ways come and help walk a hundred thousand routes please uh, 100 hundred thousand kilometers of routes please we need help with that uh, get involved in the national park city movement as well check out my films uk national parks uk in 100 seconds um, and connecting Twitter, yeah, Dan Raven Ellison, I love connecting with geographers on Twitter.
1: Yep, and seriously, everybody do that. What's so inspirational about the work that you do, Dan, is that you you seem to have this innate ability to take an idea that maybe a lot of us have, but we're just not quite sure either how to apply it or how to approach it in that way that can just make people's eyes light up. But you seem to have that ability. Where I've I've seen a couple of your things, I thought not not just why didn't I think of that? It was more of a case of I could never have applied it that way. That is just incredible. So thank you so much for your time, your effort, your talent and what you do for the geography community because it is, I can tell you on behalf of everybody, you have enriched so many uh, geographers experiences let's just put it that way and uh, i just wish you the very very best of luck with um, all your future endeavors and and i'll be keeping pestering you for no doubt so well you've made a pest of me i'm afraid you know,
0: we're not we're not gonna have a in love fest at this late in the day but thank you for your <laughs> thank you for your energy and your connectivity and everything you're bringing to our, our community as well because it's really powerful and oh. really important so thank you
1: oh, thank you very much Dan. thank you so much for listening we hope you had fun if you haven't already done so please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app if you fancy being a guest or have any feedback follow us on twitter at coffee and send us a dm or you could email coffee and jog at geogramblings.com. until next time keep jogging